This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We go to the Harbor One hotline where this gentleman knew what day of the week it was. <laughs> This gentleman knew what day he was joining us, unlike someone who will not be named on this show, Foyer. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, we are so happy to be joined this season by the legend, Dante Scarnecchia. Dante, it's Gresham Foyer. How are you, good sir? I'm doing great. It's good to talk to you guys. Well, we're happy to have you on, and uh, is that – it was yesterday, Dante. <laughs> I, what is that, time three, four, five maybe, where Fourier had one of those <clears throat> moments? I I saw what he had done, and I quickly went back and saw the text he sent me the day before, and I said, well, he's got the days wrong, and I didn't panic. <laughs> This is great. I, I love didn't even, it. I didn't even realize it, Dante, till around ten twenty-five. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second. I, I saw because we're like, you know, Dante's never going to be late. Dante's never going to be late. No, he's always going to be early. He's never going to bail." And I was like, "Well, wait a second. And I was like, "You know what? It's got to be user error. That's what it was. I'm, a, I'm the craftsman that was blaming his tools, Dante. That's what it was until I realized no I actually was swinging the hammer no wrong." <laughs> uh, well, Dante, let's start with because I was able to ask Christian what it's like on day one in training camp when Bill Belichick gets in front of the group and addresses the team. What I'd like to start with with you, Dante, is when you were a position coach and you got into the beginning of camp, how did it go with you in dealing with your group of guys and setting the tone at the beginning of a season? You know, I learned a long time ago uh, to assume nothing. And I told them I would always start with this. You know, I'm assuming you guys don't know anything. We had guys in that room that had been there a long time. And and because I was fortunate enough to be around there for a while, um, you know, we they they had heard everything I was going to say. But I'm, I'm saying I'm not teaching those guys. I'm not teaching just those guys. I'm teaching the whole room. And you got to start at the, at the most elementary level if you want them to all get it. And so that's where I always started. And if anyone was bored with it or anything like that, I didn't care. We're just going to – they're all going to hear it. And it may have been the thousandth time, but they're going to hear it again. And I think that that's – if you start with that premise, I think they'll all get it. And then you'll hopefully achieve what you want. And that's the good guys get better and the – guys that just got into the program they get better every day yeah so is it like just the idea of being repetitive and mundane for an older player can probably get just frustrating and boring but 
at the same time, isn't that ultimately like kind of what makes, you know, guys great is like doing those little things over and over again, repeating it over and over oh, again? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and hearing it over and over again, look at, I would honestly tell you, there were plenty of times where guys that have been, you know, with the group for four or five, seven, eight years, all of a sudden, you know, you could, when you were going over some things and you would see all of a sudden the, you know, the light bulb go on and say, Oh, Oh, that's what you meant. Okay. Or that's what you said. But I, you know, and then all of a sudden they get it and you know, if you're not doing that, if you're not teaching it, from the very basics going forward, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can get skipped over. And personally, I wasn't interested in a lot of stuff getting skipped over. So, so Dante, let me ask you a question. Like, so in class, even if it's like, you know, because basically what is an install is like a classroom. You're installing, you're asking for questions. Anybody have any questions? You know, maybe the phrase is, okay, everybody got it. How many, how often would, like, you ask, uh, you know, do you guys got it? And you have any questions? And you would look at the room and realize that a couple guys are basically lying about the fact that they got it because they don't want to admit that they still don't understand it. And if you recognize that, would you do something about it? Well, you always do something about it. But I would tell you this. Those are the three worst words that in, in all of, of education. I got it, you know, because there's so many of those guys that don't got it. So, you know, you just you don't you don't assume anything. You know, you just you, you keep staring them down and you keep looking at them. But I always felt like in the room, you know, there were a number of guys that that truly, you know, were on top of it. They did pay attention, and I always call those guys the validators because they're looking at you and they're shaking their head yes. And you know that those guys, the Copens, the Mankins, uh, Marcus Cannons, all of them. You know, you, you look at those guys and you say, hey, these guys. They're going to make sure everyone has it, especially when you're out on, on the field and, you know, they shift from under to 3-4 and, you know, calls need to be made. And so things happen and the guys that got it, they're the guys that take care of things. Dante Skarnecki with Gresh and Fourier here on WEI. And, uh, Dante, uh, one of the things that Christian – because uh, this is the first year for me that I've been able to sit with Christian at camp. And the first thing is the, oh, camp is so different. What is this? We're running in circles. I know it's no longer the grind of two-a-days, but you were also around when there was the transition to the different ways you had to do practice. It wasn't just as, as much physical as it used to be. Can you kind of talk about how you went through that change and some of the adjustments that you had to make once those, uh, once the the practice changes got put into the CBA, how different was it for you to have to coach a little differently, where you couldn't just strap the pads on and hit all the time? Yeah, we had to make some some adjustments to it, but I always think this, and Christian said it from the very get go when we started talking here, was the more you do something, the better you're going to be at it, and so I think I think that that old saying repetition is the mother of learning and it truly is. So look at, you know, you talk about the zone blocking and, you know, this footwork and this hat and hand placement and all those things. The more you do those things over and over again, and you don't necessarily have to slam two guys together to do it. You, you modify your drills, you do it against bags, you teach the fits on the, you know, the proper fits against bags and proper hat and hand placement. And the more you do those things over and over again, and then you take them to the field when you do have your team periods, and it is 11 on 11 or, or uh, it used to be nine on seven or half lines, 
you you know that's where you you try to get them to do it exactly the way you want to do it and the way you train them on the bag so i just think this you know the where we are in in all of football really with the you know the uh uh considerations for cte and you know and and concussions and all that you got to modify things you got to take care of these guys and i think we've arrived at a good point a fair point and i think the onus then goes to the coaches to do the things that they need to do to get those guys prepared to do the things they have to do to be successful when the games are being played so we're talking to dante scarnakia um now dante i was always curious from a coach's perspective um, this time of year, um, a lot of guys who may be on the fringe, call it a bubble guy, something to that respect, um, are starting to count numbers. They're starting to count, you know, oh, okay, this guy, this guy, that guy, okay, and I, maybe I have a shot to make the team. How do you convince a guy not to worry about the bodies in the room and just focus on just doing, like, his best, right, and not be, you know, overwhelmed with – you know, the numbers on a team and whether or not he's going to make it. Is there, a, is there a mindset for you to convince a guy not to do that? No, I just think that they have to understand that uh, everyone's going to be given an opportunity out there throughout the two hours of practice or whatever the time constraints are now that, that they're going to have to be at their absolute best. And you prove that to them by giving them, the you know, the proper amount of repetitions that show them, hey, look, I'm involved, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, I may be, there may be 15 guys in this room, and we may be only keeping nine with a couple practice squad guys, but I'm going to be given an opportunity to prove what I can, and I think that's what it's all about. Everybody wants an opportunity to show what they can, and I think that, the, you know, for years and years and years, the Patriots have created a, a practice format that allows that to happen as an example. You know, all the, we have a you know rookie period at the end of practice where it's just rookies on rookies, and they're getting an additional 12 reps of teamwork that they didn't get in the practice, maybe because of where they lie on the depth chart. But you're what you're doing is you're developing the whole roster, and you're trying to get to the young guys and teach them the, the you know the finite nuances of the things that they have to do in order to be successful. And the same thing happens for veterans, you know. Yeah, you, you, if you want to convince the guy that he's given an opportunity, you better give him an opportunity, and you better put him out there and, and let him show what he can do. So I hope that all the guys that we've ever coached over a long period of time all felt that they were given, a, you know, a, a chance, an opportunity to show what they could do and make and give them a chance to make the team. Dante Scarnecki with us. Uh, now we get the chance to kind of nerd out a little bit because there were two things, Dante, that Christian and I uh, have been talking about. One of them is just uh, the body types of offensive linemen. I, we've never we we don't see six eight centers. I understand that, but the you know what you look for. What did you, Dante Scarnecki, look for in tackles? Was there almost like one of those? You remember back in the day, I remember Gil Brandt saying, oh, the Dow, we missed on uh, we missed on drafting Mike Singletary because he was like a quarter inch shorter than what we had written down on a piece of paper, which just seems silly. But what were you looking for in terms of offensive linemen and some of the body types that you wanted up front? Or is that just something that us rubes on the outside focus on? Yeah, I think this. Uh, 
uh, there's three there's three qualities that I would never compromise. A guy's got to be smart enough, okay? He, he cannot – if he struggles to learn or he's a guy that, you know, has to relearn things and three days after you taught it to him, those guys aren't going to last very long and they're just hard to coach and all the rest of it. So guy's got to be smart enough. And guys – two is the guy's got to be tough. And that's – there's no concessions made there. You know, I mean, if you ain't tough, you ain't making it. And the old saying about if a dog's going to bite, he's going to do it as a pup and – and if you're not seeing it on their, their college tapes that a guy's not very tough, you know, don't even bring him in. And then the last thing is athletic enough to play the positions. Yeah, there's certain physical parameters you'd like to have on a guy like your tackles. Boy, Trent, Trent Brown's got 36, 37-inch arms. That's amazing, okay? Well, Matt, like, you know how long his arms were? 35? 33. <sighs> and he played 10 years. And he played good. Okay. So, but he, the thing about Matt was that he knew how to use his hands and, and to max, and in doing that, he could maximize his arm length because he would have his hands up. And when they get close, he'd punch them. And he would use the length that he had, albeit shorter than a lot of guys. Look at, you see, you watch games and you see those tackles and those defensive ends rush at them and they take both hands, they put them outside. And they try to clamp the guy. Well, is, are his arms 36 or 37 then? Hell no. There's something less because you're not using the length you have. So, you know, you look at that. And you, we looked at Matt when he was playing at Purdue and we said, you know, he plays left tackle there and he plays it pretty damn good. And that's where we're going to start him. A lot of people thought he was going to be a guard only, but, you know, we didn't. So, um, you know, those, and, you know, guards, you say, well, you know, they need to be, you know, big, big, big and bulky and all the rest of that stuff. You know, I'll tell you what, Shaq Mason weighed about 300 pounds coming out, which is a good-sized guard, but it's five, you know, six one. But put them up, watch, watch, watch them against anybody, and somebody was getting their ass kicked, and it wasn't him. You know, that's just the kind of guy that he was. So, and it's true for all of them, you know. Logan, we looked at, he was a left tackle at Fresno, and, he could have been a left tackle in the NFL, but we said this is a guy that we want to get on the field, and we moved him in the guard, and he played great for years and years and years. So, you know, it's just what you feel about guys, and I think this. We all put limitations on everybody, okay? Nah, they're not big enough. They're not long enough. They're not fast enough. But you know what? As long as they don't put limitations on themselves and can play to the highest level they possibly can, you got a chance to, you know, you got a chance to make the guy a decent player in the league. Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent. Even like going back to, to Shaq Mason, like uh, uh, like went to Georgia Tech, and I remember charting the pass plays that Georgia Tech ran when he was on the field. It was like it was like twenty five in his career, Dante. It was like low. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to come and, and pass, because I, I think that was an issue. Like he couldn't pass block. He was cutting everybody in that Georgia Tech offense. But going back even to yeah. a guy like Nate Solder, we talk about body type. Like, former tight end, moved to um, tackle at the University of Colorado. I said, wow, this guy's too tall to play tackle. Like, I was personally putting limitations on himself. Like, he's going to get abused. He's way too tall. He can't get out of his stance, and people are just going to, like, you know, like, you know, be able to get their hands in it. But that wasn't the case for him, right? Nope. He was. Uh, he had all the qualities we were looking for, and, and plus an incredibly great person. And, 
all day tough, do everything you ask him to do. He's a dynamic run blocker now. You talk about a guy that could reach and cut you off and run, he could do all those things, you know. And, and yeah, he could even at 6'8", you know, when they came with the bull rush, he could drop his tail down and break him down. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for Nate. I think he's a really good player. Who is, the, who is like, the, the one guy that you think surprised you the most? A guy that came in – and you were like, meh, and then he just kept proving you wrong. Do you have a guy like that? Oh, you know, Steve Neal's the, the quintessential guy that you just – the expectation levels, you don't know what they are. The skill level is off the charts. Um, but can he, get, can he make the transition from one of the greatest NCAA wrestlers that, that ever wrestled to play guard in the National Football League? And it took it took two years, you know, and – but it was time well worth it because the guy was really a good player for nine years in his career. And I just, you know, he's, he's the quintessential guy when it comes to, you know, that you, know, you can kind of get into and, and, and play the positions and do the things necessary to be successful in the NFL. Dante, you weren't breaking down like his uh, wrestling match against Brock Lesnar or anything, were you? Like, uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me wonder. It's like how the, I, I, when I look at Brock Lesnar today, I'm like, oh my god, Stephen Neal beat that guy in amateur wrestling. It's just amazing. He did. He did. He lost him in the uh, in the uh, you know, tryouts for the Olympics, and that's when he came to our training camp and worked. You know, we worked him out and put him on defense, and he sucked. And, <laughs> and he did. He couldn't. He didn't know if the football had been puffed or stopped. <laughs> and so, he, so what we ended up doing was, I said, Bill, let, let me have him. You know, he's a great kid. We we never get a guy with this kind of skill set. And so, and I thought he was smart enough, you know. And in two years, he he did all the things we wanted him to do, and he ended up being pretty good. Yeah, it's one of the more amazing transformations in NFL history that kind of flies under the radar. Well, Dante, this has been fantastic. We are off to a great start. Uh, Sorry for the foyer confusion. I'm sure it's not the first time you've been wrapped up in the foyer state of confusion, but this is (laughs) going to be great. We are so excited that you're willing to uh, uh, join us this season and kind of talk football and sort of nerd out with us. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the nice sunny day, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. You're welcome, and I just want to say one thing, that the next time we want to start is with the identification of linebackers, uh, regardless of the numbers that they have. Thank oh, you. Oh, that was, good. you know what? Yes. We, no, that was my next question, but we morphed into Steve Neal, and yeah. I had to get my Brock Lesnar mention in there. Yeah. So that's where uh, we're we'll going next time. We'll start with that next time. All right, perfect. Dante, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye.